0: We saw it
1: To sometimes dead is better, and it's me, Kristen,
0: and me, Chris,
1: and Chris. It's it's been a little while. It has a lot of uh, interesting things going on in 2020,
0: huh? Oh, like what? Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. They they moved that new Christopher Nolan movie back. That's about it. I guess Right.
0: no explanation for that. Um, <laughs> but yes, and in, in all uh, seriousness, because um, you're being too flippant. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, this year is terrible.
1: Yeah, what's going on? So we didn't see each other for about three months.
0: I think it's been longer than that. I mean, it's June now. You're right. It's the end of June, it's probably July. And I think we recorded in February.
1: Kind of a a bummer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's worse things for your health to do than stop watching horror movies and talking about them (laughs) (laughs) during a pandemic. Yes. Um, And uh, I was basic enough to think long and hard about whether we should do The Stand oh gosh (laughs) Uh, because a lot of people were talking about it yeah well
1: also contagion was not technically a horror movie but it was up there trending
0: yeah i watched that immediately contagion week one (laughs) but i ultimately decided that you know you know to the extent we did record i didn't want to do anything about the pandemic right at all um i i could probably do it now because i'm a little bit more
1: even though we have you're having record highs here Yeah, we're
0: having record highs um um, and I say that Kristen's is actually a little bit safer coming from Georgia.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't stop at all. I wore my mask. We stay at home. We take it very seriously. We really don't go many places. We don't go anywhere without a mask. I was being silly at the beginning. So take this very seriously. Yes. We are very much mask wearers. Stay at home when you can. Wash your hands a lot, people. Yes. But unfortunately, yeah. there's not a lot of us. It seems to be down in here in the South.
0: No, there's not. you know. And we, um, if you look at that map of the United States, uh, I mean, it's all in the South right now. Like That's where all the red is. And it's um, just
1: fascinating to me that it's, I, it just it didn't occur to me at the time that this was going to become a political issue. And wearing a mask becomes a political statement. It just seems to me that this is science. It's a virus. We don't want to get sick. They kept saying, we're all in this together, but we're not. We can't seem to do that.
0: No. To the extent anyone wants our opinions, uh, wear a mask, please. <laughs> yes. uh, don't. Also, I, I don't know
1: if it needs to be said, but we are definitely in favor of Black Lives Matter.
0: Right. Yeah. And in and, and light of all that, that's kind of why we chose this movie, I think. I mean, we've kind of been talking about, have we talked about doing this before?
1: Yes. Or? I actually watched this movie um, just like a couple months ago because yeah. it was on Netflix. And I'd oh, never right, seen right. it like for real. Like I'd seen pieces of it as a kid and I knew the whole story of it, but it was something that was too scary for me. to watch as a kid.
0: I guess we should say the movie is Candyman. The (laughs) movie is Candyman. Dr. Giggles.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Please, we do Dr. Giggles?
0: I know. Uh, But yeah, we did think, uh, given uh, that this is our first episode back, you know, since I've unilaterally decided we're not doing a pandemic movie, uh, but we may as well do a movie that has, you know, some topical resonance. So we decided to do Candyman. Um, There's a lot of other movies we could do. They're more recent, for sure. Um, But, you know, given this genre and given the history, there's not a whole lot uh, of Black horror movies. Yeah. However, you sort of couch that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what we were talking about earlier. When you think about all the big ones, Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy Krueger, all these movies were mostly, especially back in the 80s, it was predominantly white characters. And then even in the remakes, they'll put like one black character. Sure. You know? Yeah.
0: Um, so we'll get into it a little bit later. So, what are we. Uh, should we do what are we drinking or what are we watching? Watching. Okay.
1: So it's been a while. I bet we've watched a lot since we haven't so seen much. each other. So <laughs> so what have you been watching?
0: Yeah, I mean, I could, uh, oceans of TV, but um, I watched <laughs> the entire series of Shit's Creek. Uh, oh, okay. Have you seen that?
1: I started it. I liked it.
0: Yeah. But it's it just gets, one of those
1: things that I got out of the habit and then haven't gone back.
0: Yeah. It gets so, so good. Um, I, I, I'm sad it's over. thought it might be good to highlight some black voices as a lot of people are doing. Uh, one thing I watched recently, and I'm a little bit late to this party, but it's on Amazon Prime and it's called um, I'm not your negro.
1: I saw that on there. They had a lot of great options on there. Yeah,
0: it is so good. It's about uh, James Baldwin, who I am ashamed to say this, and this just goes to show how you know how the culture just gets, you know, sort of marginalized. But James Baldwin was a powerful African-American writer, also sort of a socialite figure, kind of like a Truman Capote type figure. He was mm-hmm. on talk shows and stuff. Uh, In the kind of 50s and 60s, I think he maybe died in the early 80s. I was an English major. I never read anything by him in college. Like Mm -hmm. he should be part of the canon. Maybe is now, I hope. I mean, I did graduate in 2002. (laughs) (laughs) The movie is interesting. It's um, sort of a a look at kind of African-American life, particularly through the 60s and 70s. You know, the sort of politics of it kind of through the lens of James Baldwin. Uh, And they use text from this sort of unfinished novel he was working on. And that's all the narration is sort of his own voice. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually Samuel L. Jackson doing his voice. And they sort of use that as a prison to look at kind of just African-American life. And it's sort of very abstract, but it has this sort of interesting look at just, you know, black history from kind of the, you know, through America from the 20th century with this sort of, you know, look at it. And then you also get an interesting look at him himself, who's just a fascinating figure. He's funny, angry. Um, you know, very kind of controversial, even for his time. Yeah. At the same time, he would get on these white talk shows, like he'd be on Dick Cavett and he'd just be this entertaining guest and then it kind of blow people's minds. And he was gay, wow. uh, which wasn't really openly talked about back then, but yeah. it was still known. And I make it sound like it's homework. It's a very entertaining movie. I mean, it's a documentary, um, but it's, it's very sort of jazzy and good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And then the other thing I watched that's notable, and this is more, probably uh, probably everyone's radar is a new Spike Lee movie on Netflix called Defy Bloods. Oh, okay. You heard about this? No. So good. So Spike Lee, I guess, when the last year went out and did a Vietnam movie. Wow. <laughs> Which is uh, just as ambitious as it sounds. And it's really good. It's only on Netflix. Um, and so the idea is that there's um, um, four uh, black uh, Vietnam vets. Um, one of them is um, Isaiah Woodlock from The Wire. You-
1: oh, yeah. Brian's watching The Wire right yeah,
0: now. Yeah, you know, the guy that goes, she is, you know, that yeah. guy. And then there's uh, God, another guy from The Wire, too, the um, sort of, professor type i can't i haven't seen the wire in a long time i can't remember the character's name he's in it too delroy lindo is one of them who gives he's got to get like an Oscar for this thing he is so freaking good in this movie and there's the fourth actor that i don't really know as well but anyway they're the four uh black vietnam vets who go back to vietnam in the present day nominally to find the uh bones of their dead comrade chadwick boseman uh who died back in in the war but they're really going there well they're doing that but they're really going there to find like this treasure <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. or
0: these lost uh, gold uh, bars or something so there's a but it's a great movie and it gets of wow. course so, into the black experience of vietnam
1: but it also sounds like exciting and like
0: yeah i mean oh you know, they basically back in the day they found all this these gold bars and they say well this should be ours we deserve reparation so it kind of gets in all oh, that okay okay so they think they earned it um and then they gets in this whole weird thing about you know between the you know the vietnamese and uh how back in the day you know you know, the blacks at home were experiencing civil unrest and Martin Luther King was shot. And then maybe there's this moment where there's this fear that the blacks in Vietnam would turn on the white soldiers,
1: oh, uh, which wow. apparently
0: was a thing. Uh, I bet, yeah. was a threat. Gets into all that. And then the, the flashbacks are weird because the, they don't even attempt to have younger actors play their younger selves. They just have the present day actors be the present day actors, like, you know, 50, 60 years old, as if it's their, like, in a dream, as if they're reliving it
1: that's crazy does that make sense yeah, it's very yeah.
0: disorienting but it's it's a really good movie it's it's funny it's dark it's political um but it's you know it's, it's spike it's spikely movie uh, mm-hmm. it's you know he doesn't really hold back
1: yeah
0: um and it's good it's, it's just a really good movie i, I think the reviews are all really, really good for it and if delroy lindo doesn't get an Oscar nomination that will be bad
1: you're gonna burn netflix to the ground. <laughs> i was gonna
0: say that that thing well gee i shouldn't add to the <laughs> plug one <laughs> what have you been watching
1: well brian and i finally got hbo back and so we watched The Watchmen. Yay. And we started it. It's making me, like, get choked up a little bit already. We started it, like, I want to say that the week that George Floyd was murdered. Oh, really? And and when it opens with the 1921 Tulsa Massacre, it was just, it was tough to get through.
0: Can I ask this? Had you heard about the Tulsa? No. Okay, neither did I. I had no idea that happened. Uh, and, like, I think most white people did not didn't. Heard about that.
1: And that is insane. And of course, now I've, I've read the stories and I've looked at the pictures. And it's just, it's so sad to me that we, that this isn't just something that we know about. Because I thought they made it up for the TV show. How embarrassing is that?
0: No, I think a lot of people did. I mean.
1: But then the, and the more I got, got into the show, I mean, it's just, as soon as I started it, I was like, "This has got to be by the same people who did Leftovers, because they don't give oh, really? a shit if you understand what's happening." I, have
0: you read the uh, graphic novel or, or the? No, or have you seen the movie or? No. Okay, well, that's interesting.
1: I didn't know anything, and, um, and
0: I'm not sure it matters. But
1: so, of course, it was Damon Lindelof who did the Leftovers, and yeah, that was interesting. Jeff Jensen also helped create it and wrote some of the stuff. I, did, I didn't know how to feel about it because they're two white guys, but they're telling the story so well. And then I was talking to another friend about it. And it was just like, well, it feels weird. Is it a you know, this two white guys who wrote all this? And and she said that, but the black community endorsed it. Really, the black community said they did a great job.
0: Yeah, I will say, I mean, I, when it first started, uh, Dame Lindelof was on like NPR or something, and they were asking him like, you know, well, you're a white guy, mm-hmm. and you kind of, and, and he made the point that yeah, he's certainly aware of that, but his writers' room is very diverse, and so he doesn't necessarily consider himself the sole architect of that show. There's a lot of apparently um, black writers, black directors that helped with the total vision.
1: Well, I, I saw one black female writer. There's just writer. one? <laughs> okay. so, made I, it sound I,
0: like it was, I just imagined like I, him. I mean,
1: maybe, maybe some yeah. of the people didn't have their pictures. You okay. know, I was looking at IMDb, so maybe there was more. But the way they told it was so well done. Mm-hmm. And also just the weird things that were happening with no explanation. I loved that. Just Jeremy Irons up on the moon. You didn't know what was happening. No. It was fascinating. And again, I just, I love Regina King. She's amazing. I just thought it was so well done. And they ended it perfectly. And I also finished Leftovers. I oh. had at one point had about four episodes of season three left. And I think I was exhausted. And I went back and finished it. And it's just so wonderful.
0: Yeah. Well, all, all the even stuff around Watchmen. Like the, did you look at all the soundtrack stuff that Trent Reznor had done? For the show, they, no,
1: I saw his name.
0: Yeah, so he 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 released three albums that have oh. like all these uh, sort of. It's not really necessary, but like miscellaneous material and clues about the show and like a uh, one album was released by the Nine Inch Nails, who disappeared in the in the in the in the alternate history of the oh watch. It's crazy shit. It's
1: <laughs> so uh, crazy. But he
0: he it's just kind of funny that he like got totally on board with it and helped kind of create. Or uh, enlarge a story for people that, you know, kind of care about that type of thing. I think that had one of the best TV soundtracks for sure.
1: Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. I
0: love the, um, I guess I want to spoil the thing, but the Dr. Manhattan reveal was so crazy to me. So
1: crazy. Yeah. I never would have thought that in a million years. A lot of that stuff, it's like you never could have known where that was going.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, one of the good things that you should watch the movie for nothing else is the Dr. Manhattan stuff in the movie is really good. And Billy Bana? Billy Oh. And that's the best part I think of the movie.
1: Because of his penis?
0: They do show his penis. <laughs> <laughs> they just do that part particularly well. This is, is Zach Snyder, I guess, did that. So I also heartily endorse Watchmen.
1: Alright, so let's get into our movie. So this is nineteen ninety two.
0: Kristen. What are we drinking?
1: Oh shit. We are so rusty.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, what are we drinking? Well, so what do you really want to drink after you've just been framed for murder and you are exhausted and you wake up and your husband's not home and you open the refrigerator and you f- crack open a cold Budweiser? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So we are drinking Bud Heavy, uh, which is the original Budweiser, which is, um, it's quite good. Yeah,
1: um, it is.
0: I don't know. I'm trying to, I mean, I feel like I've always ever... Drinking Bud Light. I'm a Miller Light person, but it did look tasty when Virginia Madison was drinking it.
1: Well, she's also smoking a cigarette, yeah, which, which she is during 90% of the movie. And so this was directed by Bernard Rose. Bernard?
0: Probably Bernard, don't you think? He's British. Well, yeah, that could be Bernard. Bernard yeah. Rose. He is a, a British guy. He directed, uh, he went on to direct Immortal Beloved, I saw.
1: But there wasn't much else, was there? Not
0: really. But he, he apparently, um, he directed a movie before this called Paper House which Apparently, was kind of an indie sensation that hmm. kind of put him on the map, so people like wanted to work with him.
1: This was before Candyman, yeah, that was okay.
0: Before. So, that's how we got you know, this is a pretty stacked cast if you think about it. Virginia Mattson, uh, well, I don't know, maybe
1: <laughs> Sandra <laughs> Berkeley.
0: It seems stacked to me because I love all these actors, all but right. I guess for the time, maybe they weren't really as well known. Like, I think Tony Todd is a big actor, but I guess he's kind of big because of this movie. Well,
1: oh, he'd been in a lot before too yeah and a lot after he's he's uh never stopped working
0: well um so yes yeah, so this movie called paper house which i looked up and it got really good reviews and looks kind of interesting um there's some sort of sci-fi fantasy british movie about kids i think hmm. never heard of it um, but that put him on the map and so he had some sort of carte blanche to do a movie that he wanted he to had
1: do. a what Carte blanche a blank check yes
0: <laughs> oh my god we don't talk about other podcasts on the oh, show okay um, although that is the best podcast setter, so you should <laughs> guys listen to it but he ran into clyde barker in his social circle somehow and clyde barker had a story called the forbidden mm-hmm which i've never read but he uh, he's Clyde barker is actually mostly known for his short stories. he has all these short stories collections there's no book called hellraiser apparently it's even that's based on a short story as far as (laughs) i I know
1: like i like the idea of that though
0: (laughs) that would be awesome um (laughs) so this is one of his short stories but the short story took place i mean i guess it was the same basic concept it took place in britain and it was a lower income british housing community the Villain was not a black man that was a former slave, right? <laughs> it would have been uh, some sort of British equivalent of that. I have not even so much as Googled the story, but that's um what I understand. So, Bernard Rose wanted to adapt that. Clive Barker gave him the rights, um, for whatever reason, just said, Sure, go ahead. And that's how kind of how that started.
1: But didn't Clive Barker write the screenplay too with Bernard Rose? No,
0: actually, Bernard Rose wrote the screenplay too.
1: Oh, wow, I don't think
0: Clive Barker. Had much to do with the movie, other than just. Oh,
1: that's right. Well, so at the beginning, it does say a film by Bernard Rose. Yeah. Which I guess if you write and direct a movie, then you can get that title. It seemed a little.
0: But also, I mean, he got like you know, uh what's the composer's guy? Uh, Glass. Philip Glass. Um, Philip Glass, who's that's a pretty, I think, a big composer even back then, and um and he thought it was going to be this big prestige project, which I argue it kind of is. And then when he saw the results, they thought I was. You know, more of almost like a typical slasher movie, which it obviously is not. I mean, Immortal Beloved did come out after this. Immortal Beloved being the, you know, the Beethoven movie with right. the dog. No. The <laughs> <But>. what? <laughs> uh, Gary Oldman, which I don't think I've ever seen. I, I, I've probably seen it, but I can Oh,
1: I've seen all the Beethovens. I really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second, the third. I actually
1: have a spinoff podcast just about the Beethoven movies.
0: <laughs> Sometimes Beethoven's better. <laughs> Um, well, so
1: the movie starts with a really cool shot. I think we both talked about how we like like aerial shots of cities, but this one's a lot different. It's just a steady cam moving over the city as the city is moving it through its daily life. I thought it was just so cool.
0: And also has, you know, comes out the gate with Philip Glass' score. It doesn't come oh, out with yeah. the main theme that we were just playing, but it's sort of a, another theme. And I think this, you know, as far as horror movies goes, probably that's one of the best. One of the better scores.
1: Since we're talking about the score, we'll talk about the remake that's coming out soon. Oh, yes. Because they just released a second trailer. Because they they released a a first trailer that has actual scenes from the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: But then they released an amazing trailer that is just by an artist named Carol Walker, who's very cool. But she does these silhouette scenes. A lot of them are race-themed. And they made... I mean, it just blew me away, but they had that same soundtrack. Right. So you know that that's something that is... Tied, not only is it a great soundtrack, but it's definitely tied to the movie. And they see that and they know that people are going to recognize it. Yeah. It's written by Jordan Peele. Oh, he wrote it? I didn't know. Well, that. he wrote it with the director who is Nia DaCosta. We need more, not only females directing horror movies, but black women. It's just, it's so great. I'm so excited about it. Um, Nia DaCosta is also doing. A remake of Sleeping with the Enemy. Shut up! I am so excited right now. It's just like in pre-production, okay. but it's listed on there. I am so excited about that. But then Jordan Peele's company, Monkeypaw is also producing it, and Blumhouse I think is involved. Well, who's
0: gonna be in Sleeping with the Enemy? Do you I know? don't.
1: They don't have the things up yet. Yeah. You have to get IMDb Pro. But I'm very excited.
0: Okay. Well, can Julie Roberts just be in it for like a little bit? Because-
1: <laughs> she can be the token white lady. Right. But yes, that looks very good. I'm I'm very glad that it's all black actors.
0: I did see that they have um, Vanessa A. Williams.
1: Yes, I saw She's that too. She's back in it,
0: and I mostly know her from Melrose Place.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember she was on Melrose Place, but I was not allowed to watch Melrose Place. Oh. But I remember it was a big deal that her name was also Vanessa Williams
0: because of the Miss America person, right?
1: Oh, yeah, she's a singer, too.
0: Oh, okay.
1: You don't remember remember her as a singer?
0: I mean, yeah, but I I thought she became famous for being Miss America. Well, she
1: was Miss America first, and then she became a famous singer. But I love Vanessa Williams, a singer.
0: Well, she was like on the first season when it was still kind of boring before Heather Locklear showed up, so you didn't miss much (laughs) when they were just trying to be an actual drama.
1: So the new Candyman has an all-black cast, but we were talking about like in 92, to get this movie greenlit, they probably had to cast... A white lead,
0: yeah, and we should definitely acknowledge, like you know, this is a movie written and directed again by a white British guy, based on a a book by a British, you know, Clyde Barker, who's also white. That said, you know, a lot of the storytelling, you know, you know, Tony Todd carries a lot of the movie. There's certainly several African American actors in it. Uh, Tony Todd came up with the backstory for man himself, apparently most of it.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um,
0: and it, it seems like it's been fairly well adopted by you know the black community as you know a. You know, movie they appreciate. At, at the time actually it was a little controversial. Um, like I saw a quote where Virginia Matson, who plays Helen, she said she was worried about how it'd be received by the black community and she thought she just said, like, I don't think Spike Lee, for instance, will like it. Right. I furiously Googled Spike Lee and Candyman and cannot find anywhere we <laughs> even acknowledge ever, acknowledged ever it? talked about or, it.
1: Well, I do remember Jordan Peel mentioning it really? and saying that to him it didn't really he was a kid. But to him, it didn't matter. To see, you know, a strong black man like in a horror movie was exciting to him. Yeah,
0: that was, and kind of it meant I mean, a lot again, to him. Yeah, it would be better, obviously, if this all came and was created and written and and, and, and had money coming towards, you know, black creators. Right. Um, that said, I mean, it, it exists. It happened, uh, and I guess, you know, it wouldn't exist if not for Clyde Barker and uh, and this writer director. So, I mean, kudos. And it seemed like they kind of went out of the way to. Like, for instance, um, Virginia Madsen was originally supposed to play um, the Cassie Lemons character. Right. And there's supposed to be another uh, lead character. Well, they decided, well, we need more diversity. They needed Cassie Lemons. Uh, they Well, they wanted a black actress to play the, well, the friend, of course.
1: Well, can we talk about Cassie Lemons for a minute?
0: Absolutely. And how,
1: what, how much bullshit it is that she was also Jodie Foster's best little sidekick friend in Silence of the Lambs.
0: Yeah, but I love her so much. And,
1: I know, but she should be the fucking lead.
0: Well, I she, mean,
1: she, She's being cast as the sidekick. She's so great. Remember when we, t- we talked about Silence of the Lambs, we talked about Cassie Lemming's character and about how how cool she seemed. We wanted more yeah, of her. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it seems like this is the same thing. That's the best she could do.
0: So yeah, she's playing kind of the same character in she a way. She really is. Um, she's. Uh, I would say she has Cadet a too. slightly bigger role in this one, though. And I'll and I'll say why in a, a few minutes, I guess. Because yeah, there's hate, sort of a point to her. I hate
1: that she gets killed, though. Right. Which is kind of the trope of...
0: A little Black bit, but I think it's movies. I think it's slightly inverting that trope. A, a little bit. Uh, because it's so reflected upon Virginia Madsen's own whiteness, I think. Uh, okay. But, but, you know, we'll get, we'll
1: get to it. Okay, so Virginia Madsen in this is so young. We were saying, like, I did not know of her until Sideways, which was oh, 2004? Yeah. Two?
0: I think I mostly know her because of this movie, which is kind of funny.
1: Uh, one of my favorite jokes from 30 Rock is when... They accused Liz Lemon of being racist. And she said, I'm not racist. I asked that black guy if he'd seen Sideways. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, quick tangent. What do you think about these sitcoms taking out the episodes of them in blackface?
0: The 30 Rock show? Well,
1: 30 Rock did it. Scrubs did it. And one other show did it.
0: I don't know. I mean, it seems... I think you should just own your mistakes. That's what I was thinking. uh, You can release a statement saying, boy, that was dumb. But to just delete it seems... I don't know. I think if you're going to have your whole show streaming on whatever, have it stream warts and all. I mean, unless you commit a crime in the middle of right? what you're showing or something. That's um, what I was
1: thinking too. Like, it seems like they're taking the higher road and yeah. they're saying, but then again, it's like, but you can't just delete. mistakes no you you
0: did it you aired it it happened yeah uh and you know i think and and then
1: i was wondering like what about people who watch young people who watch these shows in 10 years they don't see that at all So they don't know that it wasn't yeah it wasn't right then and it's not right now
0: Uh, yeah let them be outraged or not you know um I, i guess i get the the impulse i mean like i would love like for instance like you watch like teen wolf now you know, remember the Michael J. Fox? Like, there's a scene where, like, you know, the, his best friend casually calls him like a faggot, and they go back and forth, you know, saying that word over and over again. And I remember thinking, boy, I wish they didn't, ex- this didn't exist. But it's informative. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think they should delete it now if they aired it on Netflix right. and That's pretend what I was like they too. were like, pretend they were like a better movie than they were. So I, I get the impulse to like not offend people for sure, and and but. I, that impulse should be directed to not doing it in the first place.
1: Right. And I think they should still keep it on there. Like you said, make a disclaimer. The same way they had to make disclaimers on Looney Tunes and yeah. saying, like, smoking is not right. Racial depictions sometimes are not right in Looney Tunes. Yeah.
0: Apparently, they have a good intro now that got out the Wind on HBO. They released some sort of four-minute, five-minute intro saying, uh, just explain kind of the context of what this movie was. Right. And supposedly, it's actually pretty well done. But they... There's actually a controversy around that, and it's like, well, you don't have to watch the four-minute screener, no. you can, or whatever it is.
1: I mean, let people know that this was allowed in the early 2000s. Sure, yeah, yeah. And and how far we have still have to go. You don't you don't just get a pass because you delete it.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Okay, okay. So back to our characters here. So we have Virginia Madsen, looks about twelve, yeah. even though you thought she was a real lady. <laughs> and that is then... an
0: adult lady. <laughs>
1: um. Cassie Lemons, who. Is beautiful. You know, she's gone on. She just directed that movie, Harriet.
0: Oh, she did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, I was trying to think of what she had done. I, I, I heard that. Yeah, that's with that's uh, great.
1: Cynthia Rivo. Which I yeah, did her. you
0: watch The Outsider? The oh Outsider? yes. Yeah, she she's, was really good in that.
1: She's so good in that. I follow her on Instagram, and I watch everything she does. She really into fitness and stuff. And then when I saw her perform, you know, she won the Tony for the Color Purple. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Hey, I just listened to the last episode of Sometimes That Is Better, and I have thoughts.
0: Really, that is amazing because I just listened to our Child's Play three episodes, <laughs> and boy, did we get some things wrong.
1: So, how do I tell us?
0: How do we get in touch with us?
1: I think the most fun way is to follow us on Instagram okay. at Sometimes Dead Podcast.
0: At Sometimes Dead Podcast.
1: Slide into our DMs, comment on our photos.
0: What about Twitter?
1: Well, you can follow us on Twitter at SometimesDead4. And Twitter is fun because we like to tag all these famous people who will never see it, but it's fun to so think we, that we can connect with them. Yeah,
0: We've gotten a few likes from famous people. That's um, true. Mary Lambert. Nick Garris. Mm-hmm. That's probably about it. The guy that uh, does a lot of the Twin Peaks uh, fandom, he, he liked us.
1: Good, good. Also, another fun way is to... We have a Facebook group called Sometimes Groups Are Better.
0: Right. and Lou doing all that, you can always rate... Subscribe and review.
1: Well, do that first. Rate and review on iTunes, because that is the number one thing to do, apparently. It really helps us move up in the ratings, and then other people see us, and then we increase the community, and just, it's beautiful.
0: Excellent. We'll do that first.
1: Okay. Well, sounds good. Now, uh, let's go watch Trials Play 4.
0: (laughs) Right. All right.
1: Okay, so then of course we have Tony Todd. Yes. But did you know that Tony Todd played the Ben character in the remake of My Living Dead?
0: No. There's a re- not it's not the Dawn of the Dead thing, the
1: No, he made it like there was like a 1990 remake. Oh,
0: okay, yeah. No, I didn't know that. Ben. But this is clearly his most probably most iconic role, you know. He was in a I remember he was in an episode of X-Files around the same time, you know, the
1: Oh, yes, the, yes.
0: the one about the Vietnam vets that couldn't sleep. Um, so he was pretty big in the nineties and he's, he's still, I'm glad he's in the new movie, but I'm really curious what the new movie is. Like they say it's kind of a a spiritual sequel. I'm assuming Candyman. Well, he's a ghost, so he wouldn't be older, but, um, (laughs) he ages.
1: (laughs) So, and then the movie starts out with a lot of bees and Tony Todd's already doing, already got that great voice. He's doing a voiceover. And then we cut to, uh, yes, he
0: says, uh, they will say I shed innocent blood. Was blood, if not for shedding, which is a very oh, cool line.
1: Golly, yeah, he's got some great lines. Yeah,
0: it's very poetic.
1: So Virginia Madsen is interviewing these young students about they're so smoking it up in their classroom. Yeah,
0: she's a grad student, I guess, right? She's a
1: grad student, okay. I guess. She's um, at she's, the university yeah, um, interviewing freshmen,
0: majoring in urban legends,
1: right. which, is, <laughs> which is what white people do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is that is so white. Um, and I love this scene because okay, so Candyman was big and I remember this came out when I was in middle school and I remember a lot of my friends talking about it and it's like the scariest movie ever mm-hmm. and I and I remember when people told me about it all I knew about it was like what happens in this first scene you know the with the um, where the girls the girl tells Regent Madison her, oh, okay. her urban legend story and that's what I thought the movie would be right well, I had no concept of the actual whatever this movie is right. <laughs> what I imagined was more like what happens in this sort of uh imaginary urban legend scene which is yeah like so you
1: thought it was like a jason movie that yes. she keeps happening and happening uh, yeah
0: it looks like the beginning of like scream or something there's
1: a bunch of different couples fucking yeah. getting murdered
0: and i love that the um the line the uh student says which is uh this is the scariest story i've ever heard and it's true so, like, think about that. Like, yeah. this movie is true, and so the opening urban legend—it's very traditional horror, especially for early '90s. Uh, you know, you have a kind of a cute white couple. Like, the lighting is completely really different than the rest of the movie. Yes. It's very bright. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of clean space. You mm-hmm. know, kind of like looks like an apartment for like Friends or something. Like, very—it's <laughs> just different than the rest of the movie. And I get it because it's—you know—it never probably happened. You know, it's an urban legend. But it's completely misleading from what you're kind of getting into. You know, it's very sort of innocent, you know, say Candyman five times in mm-hmm. which, I mean, I get this like a thing, but it, it's not quite what Candyman's vibe really is. Like, he just sort of, he has a whole different sort of MO, really, <laughs> right. uh, Then you just say his name five times. But I love that the idea that, like, his story has been so co-opted and kind of probably squashed together with all these other urban legends that it becomes like this Bloody Mary thing. Yeah. So that, that's kind of cool. And, you know, the white um, college students' um, version of that story, which is, you know, very excited about. This is the scariest story he's ever told. Right. It's so removed from the actual context of the real Candyman, which, you know, when she talks to the cleaning ladies later, they have a slightly better grasp, a little bit of what the Candyman really is. They at least link it to, like, Cabrina Green.
1: Well, they're also linking it to an actual person. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't, I assumed that they, that's interesting too. Yeah. That the white people are talking about it as. And it's
0: fun for them.
1: Oh, yes. And that yeah. could be with any, I mean, any aspect that black right. Americans have to deal with that they deal with on a daily basis. And then white people don't understand. And we just look at it as an urban legend. And yeah. Surely but, that's not true. Yeah. And they but, have to actually live it.
0: Yeah. So they sort of appropriated this story. And it's just this fun thing. Like, oh my God, this is the scariest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And then it's, you know, but once you get to um, a few minutes later when she's kind of the cleaning lady just sort of overhears her talking about Candyman and she's dictating to her laptop. I don't know what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening with her? Um, but, you know, when, when they talk about it, there is a genuine, like, and she doesn't even know about the story. Her friend knows about it, which is, I love that detail. Oh, my friend lives there. I don't quite live there. Right. But they talk about it more, uh, I don't know, reverently and like with more fear. And, and at the end, of it's like, oh, but you didn't hear from me. They just yeah. don't want to be involved which is such a cool kind of a uh, twist. And and then that's kind of what kicks the story into into gear really.
1: Yeah, Okay. but um, well, before that scene, we're introduced to Helen is the name of the character. That's yes. Virginia Madsen, Helen's husband, who's played by Xander Berkeley, who, I mainly know from 24, if you remember.
0: Well, he played the stepdad to John Connor in Terminator 2.
1: Oh, okay. He gets, you know,
0: knife through the mouth when he's drinking the milk carton.
1: Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen those in so long. (laughs) We'll we'll have to do those, huh? Just for fun. And he plays kind of like a swarmy professor type person who's clearly sleeping with his students.
0: Yeah. So is he her professor, too? Because she's a grad student.
1: She's a grad student. I think that he was probably her professor. Oh, okay. But they ended up getting married. Like, yeah. they're married now. I was
0: a little unclear if they were married or if they are just, like, together. But we'll say they're married
1: yeah. I think they are.
0: Okay. I mean, they certainly live together.
1: So he's telling them all about how urban legends are not real. And she comes in the middle of this. And I guess it kind of fucks her research up. Because she's trying to interview them about what they think about urban legends without being told that they're not real. You mm-hmm. know? So she's mad at him about that. I mean, probably he did that on purpose probably sort
0: of undermine her a little bit
1: yeah because he's an he's an asshole we yeah. kind of get that there's not really any ever sympathy for him he's cheating on her
0: yeah he and his sort of uh, other friends think they have the the sort of market cornered on this research right. and, <laughs> and uh, they kind of uh you know talk down to her for sure that that dinner party they have
1: yes yeah, so then we have this scene with the janitors and she gets a little more information from them
0: yeah they first mentioned the you know cabrini green project mm-hmm. is where this whole thing took place and they mentioned that a a girl named um, Ruthie Jean was killed.
1: And then she does the research she has to go through the microfiche and finds the article and then she they, they do a good job of just explaining what happened with her apartment. So like they built the Cabrini Green projects and they built one that was on the other side of the L train and that would not cut off the black people essentially from the white people and so they redid it and made it like high-end apartments, but they're the exact same.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you explained that, because I and I was I was a little confused about. I mean, I got the basic, you know, concept, you know, the you know keeping the black people out, um, but I didn't quite get the mechanics of it.
1: That's when um, Helen shows Bernadette that you can remove the medicine cabinets, and she actually does it, and climbs through. If you remember,
0: right, right. I love, you know, you watch, you look at Helen's apartment, I guess it's a condo, and you kind of mirror it with, you know, um, Anna Maria's apartment later. And they're basically the same if you yeah. really look at it. Um,
1: they were. Yeah, they were built by the same housing projects, but then they they made them up nicer. And I have a lot of information about Cabrini Green and housing projects. And if we want to get into that now, or we can wait and put most of that into the second episode when we talk about the true crime well, it's up
0: to you. Um, I never, I will say, you know, I, I of course I was 12 at the time, but I never heard of Caprini Green until watching this movie. And I'll admit, I'm the only reason I know about Caprini Green at all, I'm sure, is because of this movie.
1: Uh, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. I think it also, it was also used as the the housing in Good Times, the TV show, but they didn't actually film there. Uh, they used, like, just the picture from the outside. And they might have mentioned that they lived in Cabrini Green, but Bernard Rose actually... Filmed at Cabrini Green. Yeah, I read that. And he actually had to get permission from the gang members. And the gang members that you see are actual gang members. Oh, okay. And part of the deal was if you promise us safety and you don't bother us, we'll let you be in the movie. Apparently, on the last day of shooting, um, the gang members did put a sniper bullet through one of the production bands just to let them know.
0: A sniper bullet. They, <laughs> they have they a watchtower. Sniper.
1: Yeah, they snipered. They would sniper from the rooftops. They really? would sniper the cops. It was it was a tough place. Oh my god. Yeah. It was known as one of the most dangerous projects in the United States. They tore it down most of it in the nineties. The last one I think they tore down in two thousand and eleven. Like I said, we can get into all that. If you want to know more about the real Cabrini Green and even I'm even gonna get into a little history of like how these projects were built and why predominantly poor african-americans ended up living in them i guess we can talk about that on the next episode okay we talk about the true crime okay so back to the movie so we actually go to cabrini green like we said they this is the actual cabrini green they filmed at you
0: know it was a little interesting is you know helen is very sort of cavalier i don't know if that's the right word but maybe overconfident about going there yes um whether that's sort of like a false Bravado. It doesn't really appear to be. It seems like she's honestly just like, fuck it. I mean, like, you know, she has a certain self. She's a white lady. Maybe she thinks she has, she's asserting her privilege. Nothing yeah. bad's going to happen to me. Sure. What they can do to me. I'm sure that's part of it. Uh, it's probably just some, not something she has to think about. But um, I mean, Bernie. Mean,
1: yeah. Bernadette says she doesn't want to go. She doesn't go there anyway. She
0: shouldn't drive by there, Mm-mm. which, you know, sounds awful. But, but at the same time, you know, she just has a more. She's a little bit more clued in to what that space is, I suppose. Right. Um, and she's so she's more apprehensive about going there, which you th- which is a little interesting. Again, for this movie, *Nights in White you'd think it'd be flipped, or the just on a surface level, you think the black person would be very confident, the white person would be kind of scared about going to this black That's space. That's true. That's true. You know, when they get there, of course, you know, there's just that great, you know, tension-filled scene, like probably the most tension in the movie in a way. is just them entering this black space. And there's so much build-up to them doing that, and so what's that about?
1: Well, and then when they get there, they're they're not really bothered. I mean, they're, they're talked to. They're kind of because they think that they're cops. The um, the gang members there, and so they call up to their friends. They're like, "Hey, the cops are here." They're really just kind of covering. There's not any real threat. No, not really. They go up to an empty apartment. They go up to Ruthie Jean's apartment. They start investigating.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're they're, de- they're definitely you know. Kind of invading this space, and again, it just is interesting. They're going to a place where people live every day, and the way the movie portrays it is like they're entering, like you know, the you know worst parts of Vietnam or something.
1: Right. And then, like uh, when Helen goes upstairs, there's like all this graffiti, and she says, "This is great." Right. And it's just like, wait a minute. But the the, the obviously that was um, part of the movie set because it that does say okay. yeah. sweets to the sweet which is, I guess, Candyman's...
0: The, yeah, that's also from Hamlet. Right. Yeah, which I, I'm not sure what the context is, but I, I Googled it. Um, there's a lot going on there. I wondered, I kind of wonder if that had more to do with the uh, Candyman impersonator. Well, we'll talk about it, but... Okay. Um, well, but yeah, I mean, I, I
1: wouldn't think that the real Candyman was graffitiing. It seems like...
0: Yeah, and it, there's kind of this weird subtext about maybe the, the Candyman impersonator being a, maybe a pedophile.
1: Well, he does like to give candied a kid and that seems the to be sweet. their lair right yeah
0: and then the way he murders i don't know there's a whole lot going on with that but but generally you know helen oh, is right. helen is sort of gliding through this space like she just owns a place and bernie continues to be apprehensive she's like let's get the fuck out of here just do your thing yeah um and she has more sort of honest reaction to it and helen because i think she is you know a white woman who looks a certain way just knows that no one would dare sort of do anything to me although not to say anything would happen to him um, but of course that is, you know, wonderfully reversed you know, <laughs> halfway through the movie.
1: But so then they actually go in, they can see where the medicine cabinet had been taken down and there was a hole behind it.
0: Yes. Don't and, go in there. <laughs>
1: and she crawls through there. Yeah. And she, she does find the candy, which yes. I wonder if,
0: what do you think that's about?
1: I was thinking that, so candy man is like this legend and for whatever reason he's called Candyman. But then, whoever took that name, the gang member who took the name, maybe he took it literal and he wanted to call himself the Candyman. So he yeah. gave out candy, but he put razor blades in it, which we know is a myth from our you know, urban Halloween legend. episode. Yeah. But um,
0: I kind of thought that too. I, my, I guess my slight tweak on that is I kind of thought it was almost like an offering to the Candyman. Like it seemed like people kind of went in there. There's, of course, oh, that, yeah, maybe. that mural. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Candyman painted I think that was a mural. Um, maybe someone that has seen him that, but you know, that, that people were, you know, one of his points is people believe in me and this is to keep me
1: right uh, like alive.
0: Uh, yeah. You so, have
1: to believe or else there's no magic.
0: Yeah. So I think people have been coming there maybe leaving trinkets for whatever version of that story they thought was real. I mean,
1: maybe in real life he loved candy or something. And
0: so. well, I think the candy man came from, you know, when he was soaked in the honey. And so he hmm. like, uh, uh, that's basically what, the internet included because <laughs> there's no real consensus on why he's called Candyman.
1: Well, so in the trailer for the new one in the Shadow Puppet one there is there's a little clip of Candyman leaving a candy factory. Oh, really? And he puts his hand out to the kids and has candy in it. So I'm wondering if they maybe do a little more backstory. Yeah. And maybe in this story the new story that Nita Costa is telling maybe he, oh, or maybe okay. he worked at a candy factory and that's how he actually got his name. Well, because I, there's no real, they don't say why he's no. Doing
0: that. But the, the, I guess the consensus online, and maybe this comes from the book, is that because of the way he was murdered originally and, and covered in honey, that and they apparently started chaining Candyman. But I do love this idea that his his legend has been so sort of uh, blended with whatever else. No one really knows what his deal is, or what you know. There's like 30 urban legends mixed in one.
1: Well, there's that awful jump scare where she jumps out of the hole. Yeah. Bernadette.
0: Because <laughs> that's how you, you know, create your friend. <laughs> she
1: wasn't even trying to scare her. Like, Bernadette had scared her like, for fun earlier, but she just popped out very excited, I guess. Um, She's so excited. And so they go, so they run into Anne Marie, who lives there.
0: Yes. And that's uh, Vanessa Williams from Miller's Place. Mm-hmm. And her son, uh, is it Anthony? Her, her baby, we'll her say. Her baby,
1: yeah. who I really wanted to squeeze. It was very cute.
0: Yeah. And Um. so she's the one that found Ruthie Jean. So she actually knows about that murder.
1: Oh, her apartment was
0: near it. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. because, you know, obviously she found Ruthie Jean. And she's, you know, she's scared. She says she's scared for her child. Um, And she knows about the Candyman legend. She thinks Candyman did it. And she just says, you know, they ain't ever going to catch him. He's the Candyman.
1: Yeah. Uh, Anne-Marie represents the majority of those people that live at Cabrini Green who are just trying to get by. Who are just trying to live their lives? There, yeah. I watched a, a short little documentary about Cabrini Green. You know, most of the people there are either children or older people, and most of the households are run by the by women, and so they're very vulnerable. And they don't want to live there. They were abandoned by the city, and so it's a very survivalist kind of instinct. Is like some of these guys got together and started a gang to exploit the people that live there and so Anne marie is the majority of who is living at cabrini green you know
0: and she's a little put off maybe by you know particularly helen kind of coming into this space and she didn't come in and she can leave and you know, hear her stories but you know Anne marie has to live with it
1: i mean Anne marie like let them come in and she, she, she warmed up and she's like you know what i'm sorry but uh this place is really shitty to live in and i have to work and i have to take care of my baby and i don't really have time to be talking to you this white lady yeah
0: she's a big dog
1: she has a big dog yeah. which of course you want a big dog right
0: Yeah. i mean her, apartment, her apartment's kind of cute though i like her apartment yeah
1: her apartment looks nice yeah. so that's another I mean, like, it
0: looks like helen's in a way except you have the center block walls
1: yes yeah. on helen's she has that big giant window and they yes. just kind of make it seem yeah. fancier yeah, but it's really the that. same space
0: yes yeah, it's, it's, it looks to be the same i was actually looking at like is that the same square feet it appears to be
1: yeah <laughs> so then we have the dinner scene where we have um bernadette and helen and then trevor who is helen's husband and Professor Purcell.
0: Yeah, he kind of comes out of nowhere, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. So I, he's
0: very condescending to Helen.
1: He only calls the women beautiful grad students. He mm. doesn't say anything about them being smart or he, anything like that.
0: Yeah, he you know clearly doesn't take them very I, seriously.
1: I did have to kind of agree with him on one thing whenever he asked them. But do you know the history, the story of Candyman? And they're like, no. Yeah. It was kind of like, if you're writing a paper on it, you probably should know that. Yeah, well,
0: they didn't have Google back then. That's true. But, but I will say... And I was thinking about this, you know, was the real history like they call him Man this urban legend, and that's kind of all she knew about. But well, there's anything maybe she hadn't been able to make that con- connection from the Canyon legend to whatever this other history was. You know, there's nothing to suggest that. Um, oh, right,
1: you right. Know what I mean, because yeah, so they could be talking about two completely separate things,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he
1: just assumes that,
0: yeah, this could be his research that he's concluded, right? Um, but anyway, so he tells. The backstory of Candyman, uh, such as it is, which, you know, he was, uh, we're told, and apparently this gets even deeper in the second movie, which I kind of want to watch, but he was a son of a slave, but the slave apparently went on to do bigger and better things. And so he kind of grew up in what they call polite society, right? meaning, I guess, you know, white society back then. Um, and I guess he was uh, an artist and maybe, you know, he was painting portraits. Yes. And so he painted the portrait of the daughter of this wealthy landowner. I'm imagining a plantation owner, but I don't know. And they fell in love, right? Right. And so I suppose the father found out about this. Well, she got pregnant. Oh, she got pregnant. Yes. That's right. That's right. And so Miss um, Urban Legend over here. <laughs> so the father found out this and the town revolted. You know, yeah, because- well, he,
1: well, he paid some hooligans. Actually, I think is the word that yes. Professor Purcell used. To murder Candyman, and so they covered him in honey, and they they released starving bees on him. So that does sound terrible. If yeah. that's how a way you can die, and of they course, also cut also his arm. Legend, so. They kind of cut his hand off, I assume his painting hand.
0: Oh, I never thought about that.
1: And stuck a hook in it just to be mean, I guess, because then they killed him anyway. And was the Candyman character always going to be cast as African American?
0: Good question. I, I think so. I think I once- guess because
1: they were always going to base it in chicago yeah i think
0: in, once the filmmaker decide
1: because oh, i did read that they also wanted eddie murphy for the part yeah okay
0: i can't imagine that but i it,
1: also read that sandra bullock might have gotten oh, yes the lead
0: yeah that probably wouldn't been i mean i love Regina madison i'm happy with it as it is it's a perfect movie
1: so helen goes back to cabrini this time without bernadette right and meets a little boy named jake yeah who's a he's a very good little child actor
0: yeah but she does not trust her you know he doesn't trust you think he also thinks she's maybe a cop yeah none of them like the cops you know it's very present day as far as that goes oh yeah
1: yeah Yeah. for sure um he he tells her a fun little story about the boy who was castrated
0: yeah well she asked him you know show me where candyman is and so he you know she definitely pushes him on that
1: yeah because he's scared he didn't want to do it and she kind of teases him like oh are you you scared you can't do it it's a little mean yeah. a, he's a little boy
0: <laughs> right that I means
1: um but so they cut his balls off
0: something's going on down and there they yeah. put it in the toilet they put the i think they cut his penis off and put his penis in the toilet oh my gosh um and it was you know, apparently a. Uh, I i guess a mainly challenged kid too right uh, it's kind of a little strange and part of this may be part of just this kid's story um but it could be
1: it could be legend, yeah.
0: yeah. but either way, this very real monster has sort of adopted the candyman uh, story
1: so so then the real candyman comes in with a giant hook.
0: Yeah. should we just acknowledge that the the sweet of the sweet is written in what appears to be feces on the wall?
1: Yeah, it's just, a lot of poop.
0: yeah. do we just'll we'll just skip over that? But, I, mean, <laughs> I, don't, who's, I can't I couldn't stop thinking about that. Did they
1: save the poop for a while?
0: I don't know, but it's so weird. It's just a weird detail. It is. Um, there's a lot of weird details in this movie that <laughs> don't really get the proper acknowledgement. <laughs> right. It seems like she would say, is that poo? <laughs> um,
1: well, I think also bees come out of the toilet, right?
0: Yeah. Which, which
1: Is that the ghost candy man doing that? I don't
0: know. Is I that know. he just
1: letting her know that he's watching her?
0: Yeah, because Because he point, likes her. Because nothing supernatural has really happened up until this point.
1: Unless the real candy man put bees in the toilet, where do you get bees? Bees know. are scarce.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I mean, they
1: weren't in the '90s. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, we've killed all them now with global warming.
1: Um, but yeah, he he clunks her pretty good. He doesn't murder her. Um, I, is that just uh, he wants to give her a sign?
0: Yeah, and I kind of wonder if that's also part of this sort of social pact. You know, we, maybe we don't kill a white woman because so we know it, what's going to come gonna down and what irritation. actually does yeah. come down on them. Yeah. It's like yeah, you know, this person has been terrorizing people within that community for however many years. He's already killed someone. And it takes Virginia Madsen to yeah. be punched in the face, well, with a hook. I mean, it's a pretty bad injury, let's be honest. She calls the cops and then within like a minute <laughs> they pick, the pick arrested. Up. And
1: then poor little Jake is terrified because, you know, in that area you don't tell, or else you get in trouble.
0: Also that scene, and I don't mean to bear on it, but she's very all her sort of white privilege, and I, I'm a white person. And I, I hate to sort of throw that around and sound like I'm above it because I certainly am benefit from it. But right. I mean, it seems to be what the scene's about. Yeah, when she says, you know, th- that line that my friends know where I am, my colleagues know where I am, they expect me back. And you know, if she's kind of using all this sort of, you know, colleagues, not friends, you know, what we would call like a Karen now, you know. Yes. <laughs> she's being very Karen. Yes. Uh, it doesn't work for her. You know, he, she gets punched in the face. Her privilege you know, loses out. But then she's able to, again, go to the cops and maybe get this relief that no one else apparently in the community is able to get, whether because they're afraid to talk to the cops or because they're just not listening to them.
1: Yeah, Uh, both. Both. Well, she also says to Bernadette, she says, a woman is murdered in the project and no one cares, but a white woman is hurt and everyone is up in arms. And Bernadette's like, yeah. Nowadays, we watch that and we're like, well, yeah, no shit. Yeah. But I mean... I mean, back then maybe people weren't coming right out and saying that. Okay, so she gets out of the police station. Yes. She's on the phone with Bernadette. She's very excited. Yeah. She's, she's saying lo- they're going to be published.
0: Yeah. She's looking at these photos she took of the, you know, Candyman's lair, I guess. Or, oh right. Uh, and she's in a parking lot, I guess. Um, and then Candyman shows up. The real Man.
1: Very cool. Yes. Very cool entrance. Yep. Him at the end of the parking deck with a light behind him and he's like standing like in a very very superhero type way with yeah his heads kind of up he's
0: kind of looking at the ceiling and yeah you first see his shoes and his pants and the bottom of his coat uh, you know interesting when the movie came out there was some criticism within the you know some some black critics that he was maybe they thought he was was he trying to be dressed like a black exploitation character almost
1: mm, yeah that big um, coat
0: But that never apparently kind of people sort of abandoned that critique at some point um, because it became just so iconic, I suppose. But I don't think that was really the intent. But that is interesting because once you think about that, it's like, yeah, he does kind of seem to be maybe a little pimpy. A little pimpy. (laughs) But yes, it's a very creepy scene. Something about the way he's looking at the ceiling. And also when he's talking, his mouth isn't moving. Yeah. At least not at first. So it's
1: like just in her head. And he says, I mean, he's very forward, doesn't he? It says be my victim it's, it's kind of sexy you know it's kind of like oh okay
0: yeah which is also you know be my victim when you think about this sort of race aspect of it it's, it's pretty loaded i guess when you mm-hmm. think about it you know you know one of the fears uh from um again in the black media when the movie came out i'm talking about you know sort of the, you know black critics black intelligentsia was that this movie was actually reinforcing the sort of stereotype of the white victim of this sort of very large black men right right yeah, you know, sort of almost like this birth of the nation type thing right and of course the director's like no no no, no we're definitely playing on that but we're flipping it i'll just leave that there i don't <laughs> have any other thoughts on it i just feel that choice of words is very you know deliberate so she kind of falls into a little bit of a trance i guess this is a scene where she's you know hypnotized by the, the right. director
1: <laughs> yeah there's like, no other way to play that yes um, they actually had to go to a hypnotist Right. Because she couldn't pretend she was in a trance. Yeah. But okay. Um but yes, then she wakes up, she hears screaming. I guess we hear screaming first and then Yes.
0: Very disturbing scene. Yes. Yeah. So uh, she wakes up, she's covered
1: in blood. She comes out and she sees the Doberman's head. Yeah. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. There's a cleaver. She picks up the cleaver, I guess, just in response to maybe there's something dangerous happening. She yeah. doesn't realize what's happening. Yeah, I she's guess she's covered in blood. Covered in blood. She checks herself. She's not bleeding. And she goes in. She's in Anne-Marie's apartment. Which I didn't think about that until you had mentioned again. They had the same layout. So she kind of (laughs) might have woken up. She could have thought it
0: was her apartment.
1: She could have woken up and been like, am I in my apartment? Yeah. Yeah, Or she knew exactly. I mean, she knew where to go because the person was screaming. But she knew where the front door was. She knew how to get out. Because it's the exact same layout, which was kind of interesting. But she finds Anne-Marie screaming. And the baby crib is covered in blood.
0: Yeah, which I think they'd later say was probably the dog's blood. Yeah, I think so. Still, I mean, very but shocking scene.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of blood.
0: And then, so Anne Maria sees uh, Helen covered in blood and then obviously thinks, you did something my baby. Yeah. Attacks her. They attack each other. It's a very, pretty brutal fight.
1: She's still holding the cleaver. And so mm-hmm. she nicks her
0: I, mean, she, oh, I thought she like full out stabbed her.
1: Well, she yeah, she hits her. Okay,
0: and in the game blood goes yeah. Blood
1: spurts out. She must have yeah. hit something. I don't know.
0: And the great thing is that so the On police in ER, they
1: say we got to spurt her. <laughs> they have to come and
0: <laughs> yeah. So then the the police show up and they arrest Helen. Yeah. Which is a great kind of inversion. Like yeah. you think it'd be, uh, they see the fight and they assume the black person is the one that's you know involved and they would arrest her, but now they don't do that. She's suddenly the one that's in that black space and yeah. so she's arrested. And so I love this next scene when she's at the the police station. Oh, it's and uh, disturbing. And she's all again. She's trying to reassert that privilege, you know. Then there's little subtle ways, like she calls the, the detective. She calls him by his first name, mm-hmm. like Frank. Well, you like they're friends.
1: Well, yeah. Even when, before when she's when the uh, the woman's telling her to take her clothes off. She's crying and she says, I need Detective Valencia. You know, like just give, just tell yeah. him I'm here. Surely Everyone's this fine. will all
0: be cleared up. I'm you know? Karen. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Karen. Can I see the manager? <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, she, and not that she's wrong to do that. She is wrongfully accused for sure, although I do have some things to say about that. Um, but just the way she calls him Frank, you know, mm-hmm. no, you know, you just don't talk to a cop like that. Right. First of all, the cops are never your friends. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> but that, I just love those little sort of. You know, subtle clues that show she still thinks she can kind of do this. Yeah. Um, but now yeah. she can't. And, you know, so she calls him Frank. He's not having it all.
1: That, and he's a black detective, too.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, hes I think he was friendly in that earlier scene to her when she was, uh, I guess, beaten up. Mm-hmm. But you're right. When she is there, even that, that first uh, cop, you know, you know, taking her prints from Mugshot and making her undress, you know, she's not even treating her like a human being at mm-hmm. all, really. It's kind of like a scene from, like, Orange is the New Black or something. Yeah,
1: definitely. And so, you
0: and she's know... she's also
1: covered in blood, so it just makes it... Right. ...so much more disturbing. And she
0: has this robe, and it's all very uncomfortable.
1: And she also, she's like, can I just take a shower, please? I mean, I'll, I'll, surely I should be able to take a shower. It's like, well, no, you're covered in blood, your evidence... You can't take a shower yet
0: so this is where you know my thoughts come in like is this whole movie about you know the fear of a white woman just being treated like a black man oh like, no is that too much i mean <laughs> oh,
1: no well it's nice that i mean that's is that what it's going to have to take to have white people understand what black americans live through every day like that's one thing i thought about in watchmen it's like if everyone could just take those nostalgia pills you know
0: oh that was such a cool and yeah thing be
1: able to actually live one day but how about you're just an african-american woman you know trying to live in a white woman's world
0: so back to candy man
1: <laughs> right so after she showers i do love her hair she looks like madonna you know like when it's she all does, wet Yeah. You know she sometimes madonna would wear her hair like kind of
0: okay so she's i guess she's released from jail um and well, she whoever starts
1: comes to pick her up and he says, yes, I believe you didn't do it. It's also kind of a white privilege thing the, that she got out, right? I mean, they could have held her. Yeah. And they, wa- they said they wanted to wait until there was a body so then they could charge yeah. her. Yeah,
0: it's also more they? that a lot of p- times, you know, people that would normally risk for that situation wouldn't be able to f- afford the bond the bail. or bail yeah, yeah. or you know, have someone to do it. Of course she does, you know. Um, and she, you know, gets whisked out like a celebrity almost, which I don't know. I I, guess I mean, that she would- came
1: out and the, the black community was out there, you know, against her. I mean, because she came into their home yeah. and may have murdered a baby. Definitely murdered a dog.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that would, def- that, that would definitely make the news. <laughs> definitely <laughs> murdered a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so she gets home and and uh, there's that great it scared the crap out of me that where the you know she's starting to hear him came in and mm-hmm. then she looks in the mirror and his hook bursts in the mirror well, i guess
1: we forgot to mention that earlier she summoned him we didn't even say that she went into the bathroom with bernadette and they said and she told him the whole thing and yeah. she said let's do it
0: but is that how she summons him i mean i get i get that happens but i kind of he seems to make the point that that's not what summoned him what summoned him was her insistence that he doesn't exist
1: Right, and that's what
0: pissed him off.
1: And so the urban legend of just saying the name is not—that's yeah. just become part of the. Legend. Yeah,
0: I mean, he'll 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 accept the invitation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it amuses him, but it seems to be what really uh, summons him is is her her discrediting his existence. Right, you know her her you know she's erasing him like erasure, like black erasure. That's kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, so that's what seems to offend him, and what really because she he has this whole line about. Um, your disbelief destroyed the faith of my congregation. He's such a poet. He really um, is. Your death will be a tale to frightened children. So his plan seems to be that he's going to horrify and, and, and eventually kill her. Um, and then maybe because she's white, I'm not sure, but her death will also become a legend and, and reinvigorate his legend.
1: There's a lot. Because like, also... He wants so much for people to believe in him, but, right. he's, but he's framing her for the his killings. Yeah.
0: But the other read on that is like, is she doing these killings? It's not like, I mean. I oh, mean,
1: he, she could. Like, he could be making her. Yeah.
0: Whether he's possessing her or like, like physically the way it's filmed, it's unclear whether, like, yeah, for instance, like the psychiatrist scene, you see Kenny Man kill the psychiatrist, but you're seeing her watch that. So it could easily be her doing it.
1: But you know? he's still making her do it. He still, oh, you're saying is the whole Candyman, none of it real? It's that, all?
0: That's like the next. I I, <laughs> I, I, I generally said the premise that if she's doing it all, it's her making her Warren do it.
1: Or as a, a slave's son, he really fell in love with this white woman, right? Yeah. So maybe he actually fell in love with Helen because she reminds him of the woman he loved. Yeah. And so he Dracula. thinks that maybe he's doing her a favor and making her a legend too. And then together, they'll live together in infamy with yeah. their new, ba- new baby.
0: Yeah, that kind of seems to be the end game because the end, he kind of...
1: He wants all three of them to die in the fire together. Yeah. So they can all be together. Yeah,
0: so I think he wants to do these murders or blame her for these murders so that his legend increases. Um,
1: and then she, he wants her to be involved too. I guess that's nice.
0: Sweet. Um, <laughs> and she and she joins. But I guess my point is, like I think... I kind of think she's she doesn't actually join
1: though. She decides to fight him. Well, I, I mean, at the
0: end though, she becomes like a super. Oh, ghost. yeah, that's,
1: that's true. She does.
0: But I do think very
1: pet cemetery, right?
0: That's what remind me of. We'll get to that. To me, yeah, I was thinking about what it does remind me of. Only the first movie we did. Um, but I do think, I guess, one way or the other, I think she is killing these people. But I will accept your theory that it's her doing it, and there is no Candy Man because I love that too. Okay. <laughs>
1: Well, so then the next murder... Well, that is
0: Kennyman Erasure, so...
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> the next murder-, murder is poor Bernadette. Yeah. Who just comes over with flowers. Trevor should lock the door when she left, probably, but...
0: Yeah. I would have loved to have a scene where you we kind of... And this is, again, your example for being kind of sidelined to the psychic character... But what does Bernie think about all this? Like her best friend has been accused of murder. Surely she has thoughts. Right. <laughs> um, other than her just showing up with, did she say she flowers? She <laughs> flowers. <for who>? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you accused of murder. I mean, what is that? Uh, uh, so that that, that that seems like she's a little bit marginalized there. I, I mean, I generally thought she was a stronger character, but that does kind of seem like maybe you're right. But the uh, way she's killed is just brutal. really
1: bad. It's yeah, well, before brutal. that, um, Helen is attacked. But and, that scene,
0: I guess it's the same scene where he first smashes the hook through the window. Yeah, or the, and, through
1: the mirror. Yeah, Well, I read,
0: They didn't tell Virginia Madison that was going to happen. What? That was her real reaction. What? Yeah, they filmed it It's like that.
1: an alien type thing?
0: Yes, except she had no idea. And her she ran screaming from this. set.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I got bored for a second thinking of space.
0: But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten just passed out in her chair.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. But so, yeah, Bernadette gets murdered pretty terribly. I, I love when Trevor comes home and he looks kind of like, not again. <laughs> <laughs> but so during this, she does have a vision from Candyman, I guess, of the baby still alive, which I guess kind of gives her something to strive for. She, she still wants to save the baby. She yeah, he's baby basically
0: alive. like almost like ransoming her. Like if you... Know, yes. if you- let me kill you or whatever I want yeah, to do, I we'll will save the baby, which apparently even that is kind of a con because he doesn't yeah. really seem to be interested. In no. him.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> she so at
0: least believes it. She so. gets
1: taken to the hospital and strapped down and shot up with meds. And then Candyman appears to her again, asks for a kiss. You know, he's very romantic. Yeah. Um, she
0: does. She gives good crazy in these scenes too. She's doing like a yeah, virgin. It's very
1: scene. scary to me. Yeah. I think she's very good.
0: One of the scenes I remembered even from when I was a kid is the scene I guess we're just talking about where you know where with the shrink mm-hmm. and freaking Candyman. Well, she says I'll call him. You, yes. you don't believe me. I'll call him. And this time, I guess she generally does call him. But yes. I think he probably come anyway. Well, yeah. He
1: probably was already there. He was already there. Yeah. It's like, what
0: did she do? And this is embarrassing. He was
1: already in the hospital room with her. Yeah. Hovering over her, and then he was just hiding his chair. Yeah. And then he walked down there with her. And then yes, uh, she's like, "I'll call him. I will." Yeah. And she does, and he shows up and gets the.
0: Yeah, I mean, what did she think was going to happen? That's
1: the same thing I wrote in my notes. Yeah. What did she think was going to happen? Yeah.
0: Although there is a great misdirect, though, because the way you think it's going to happen is that she'll see him in the mirror, like in the legend, you know? And yeah. that doesn't happen. And there's a beat, and then suddenly the guy starts curling up blood or whatever, and you don't quite know what's going on. And then he comes up behind yeah. him, and he's just like ripping into <laughs> yes. him. Just going to take From what was the
1: to- term they used from groin to gullet?
0: Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's just having a great time back And there.
1: then he lets... Helen out, and Helen goes out the window.
0: Yeah. Or does she escape herself, and none of it ever happened?
1: <laughs> Who broke the window? But the window broke from the outside. She can't break press. the
0: window. <laughs> Are we on Kenny Man conspiracy theories now?
1: <laughs> yes. So she comes out and goes into the next window, gets the nurse's clothes, and escapes.
0: And then she comes she home. She Goes home. <laughs> and her. Oh, it has
1: been a month. We have. We, we it's learned that it has been a whole she's... month,
0: and her scumbag husband is now living with this other grad student. Yes. If she's even that, maybe she's a college student. I don't know. She's painted the house pink. Like
1: it- I love that burn when, when she comes in, clearly insane, clearly escaped from the mental yeah. hospital. And she just, I hate the color scheme. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and she's so good in that scene, too. Like when she's, you know, holding the phone out to them. Do you want to call yeah. the
1: police? Yeah. Call them. <laughs> and the little uh, student is just cowering and crying. Yeah.
0: Cause it's like half jilted wife and half possible murder (laughs) like there's just a lot going on in that scene and she seems like less interested in the fact that her husband's cheating on her i mean she doesn't love it but she's like she has kind of bigger fish to fry at this point right but she'll totally (laughs) take the moment to like (laughs) troll them i suppose uh
1: so then she leaves and she realizes she has to go save the baby um so she goes back to cabrini green and she goes back through the hole in the wall
0: yeah which I guess that's his layer, I suppose, right? I mean, that's what I yeah. call it. But she finds a hook. Is it his hook? I mean, he's still wearing his hook.
1: He must have several hooks. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but then, I mean, this is a little bit strange. It seems to me that she goes in this other kind of space. There's suddenly there's this bigger space. With this where this little bit brighter, much bigger too. Where Candyman is like sleeping on this like tomb like thing.
1: Right. But she tries to kill him.
0: Yeah. And yeah, he kind does. of
1: thinks it's adorable.
0: Yeah, she, he does, he's not bothered. No. <laughs> um, and he
1: um, picks her up and she kind of passes out, I guess.
0: Yeah, he tells her very, that if very you Very Yeah, yeah. He says, you surrender to me and then the child will live. Right. So he's still like kind of blackmailing her with his kid. You know, her life for, for the child. And then he takes his hook and slides it up her thigh. Which, yes,
1: which I wrote. He hooks her vagina and gives her a kiss full of bees.
0: Yeah, uh, I did. I read that... Whatever ver- this scene, what that scene was longer apparently. I'm not. They cut a lot of that out apparently. I'm not sure what. I'm I curious guess. what twelve year old Chris thought of that scene. But is yeah, is he gonna touch her butt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I probably thought she gonna. Is he gonna cut her? I don't know. Um, for 1992, that is such an amazing scene, given that even today it's difficult to have uh, interracial, like say, romance. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of kiss, although there's bees involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are bees involved. Yeah. and he opens his chest, and it's bloody and full of bees. Uh, yeah,
0: that was that was a great. I guess I wonder how they did that. That it's that, some sort of weird makeup or something. But he says, "Come with me and be immortal." Then he bees everywhere but then she kind of wakes up and she's in this other space so that's why I kind of think it's like a dream space she was in she's
1: well when no, she wakes up she's in the bonfire right with no she baby. wakes
0: up she's still in that uh, apartment but it looks normal it's like oh with okay a, just more dingier not mm-hmm. as big and open and so she realizes that he's taking the baby somewhere
1: um, oh right she hears the baby crying in the bonfire yeah pile
0: and there's that and that's when she sees the mural that shows what looks like her and right. he's written in blood it was always
1: you yeah. Helen <laughs>
0: me in poo <laughs>
1: <laughs> what if he just always wrote everything in <laughs> uh, that is a good way to get back at your enemies write something in poo on their walls i
0: think that was honestly the real candy doing that just some sort of weird thing yes um, so yeah so i guess it's suggested that she was reincarnated but that's kind of all they do with that i think maybe in the sequels maybe there's more of that i'm not sure but yeah so she finds out he's i guess placed the baby in that weird Bonfire set up outside which I'm not sure why are they having a bonfire do they explain that
1: they were gonna have a party which is a thing a lot of people do
0: yeah
1: did you not go to bonfire parties in like in high school
0: I didn't go but they, they oh. existed yeah, they exi-
1: yeah we go out to the field and we set a yeah. big bonfire but well, to hear a baby crying from inside of that is pretty scary and yeah. she runs inside of it to try to get the baby and then Candyman is in there too and
0: just pulling around, he
1: grabs her <laughs> and lets her know. Oh, by the way, we're all gonna die. Yeah,
0: psych <laughs> um, Do you still
1: want to live with me forever? I do
0: love how they. You have the. You always make a point of showing the Sears Tower in the background. Oh of that yeah. Scene, which kind of this reminder of oh, there's wealth somewhere in this. Oh, world. it's and, close.
1: Yeah. Again, if you want more info, tune in for the next episode we'll get more into the history of Cabrini Green. But. The Gold Coast, which is one of the richest neighborhoods in Chicago, is just right next to Cabrini Green.
0: Yeah, I went to Chicago uh, a couple years ago for work. I, I should have done the Candyman tour, but I loved it, that was such a-
1: I would love to go, I have never been.
0: We stayed at the Palmer Hotel. Okay. Which is a very old hotel. And I recommend for all you basic bitches out there, do the, the river architecture tour. Okay. <laughs> which I'm sure everybody in the world does. But I did it and I thought it was neat. Okay, yes. Yeah, so we are in the bonfire, and we see Jake.
1: Oh, Jake, yeah, just sees the hook gonna yeah. go in. So he the...
0: thinks Man's out there, yeah. so the legend's kind of building. Because yeah. she had she told him it wasn't real, and he's kind of sad. But he gets uh, the rest of the kids and, I guess, the whole building. They come out there, and they uh, light on fire. Mm-hmm. She's still in there, and so is a baby. It's pretty scary. I don't think they know she's in there, though. No. Okay.
1: He just sees the hook go in. Right,
0: right, right. So he,
1: whether he thinks it's the ghost or... Or the real Candyman gang member, he's gonna go and light the thing on fire, and so so the Candyman's like, "Look, let's just do this. We're all gonna be together forever. We're gonna be immortal." And she stabs him with a fiery poker thing, yeah, and starts running out with the baby. Um,
0: yeah, and then she catches on fire. Uh, kind of reminds me of you know Anakin at the end of Revenge of the Sith.
1: Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> You were um, the
1: chosen one.
0: It's funny. That's become like a, a meme now. There's all these <laughs> Revenge of the Sith memes. The prequels are more popular now because all these memes. is kind of an interesting thing. It's funny. Um, but yeah, it's a very well done scene. She looks terrible. And I forgot that she died. I don't know how I forgot that. But I was very surprised when we got to the funeral scene. I'm like, is this a dream? I'm talking about like last night. I watched this maybe two months ago. I forgot, I fr- <laughs> I forgot it again. Uh, so we were at her funeral, and there's like f- four people there.
1: <laughs> right. Well, they no- all think she's a murderer. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> I-
1: Chris would have been there with flowers. What's everybody doing? <laughs>
0: well, I thought she has no family. She has no friends. Well, yeah. They all about- think
1: she's a murderer. So, so she gets out. With the baby. The baby survives and, gets, yes. and Anne-Marie gets her baby back. But then she, yeah, you know, she looks very scary. And then you see her in her her funeral clothes. Yeah. And then as they're lowering her...
0: She looked like the vampire um, in Dracula. You know, with Ellen White, you know, the, oh, the yeah, vampire yeah. bride. That kind of gave me that vibe.
1: Is she in her wedding dress? Because <gasps> that's weird. Because what if she got buried in her wedding dress oh. and she's like... Now she's like with Candyman.
0: She's definitely in white, isn't she?
1: yeah. But anyway, so then they look up, and the whole Cabrini Green community is walking towards her. Right. Jake puts the hook in there.
0: Yeah, not sure what to do with that. I mean,
1: if you want to use this, if you want to put it up your vagina while you're down there, I mean, I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe she. Maybe they think she vanquished him.
1: I think they know that she did. Yes.
0: So maybe it's just like, like almost like a gesture of respect. I
1: but, mean, so would this be like a white savior uh, at
0: the same type thought, movie? Yeah. I don't know. But she
1: does not come out as a, she's not Sandra Bullock in Blindside. There's nothing good that happens. Her legacy is gonna be she murdered a bunch of people, including her best friend.
0: Yeah, so yeah, in in that sense, I don't think so, especially since she essentially comes back and just starts the cycle over again. (laughs) Although it seems then she's at least killing other white people. Um, And I don't know if there's really a sense that Candyman's dead, maybe is, maybe she killed him. I don't know that she really can. I guess they think she saved them so that there is that idea yeah i mean it seems to me that all her actions in the movie are i don't know if they're necessarily selfish but they're not necessarily for them no uh, they're she, for her yeah. research or she for wants her... to
1: exploit them
0: and then at some point she just wants to save herself which you know rightfully so she's in quite a pickle <laughs> um
1: watching it back it's really scared me which i was surprised i didn't think it did i so said watched it a few months ago, because I'd never seen the whole thing before. And then I watched it again, like, last week. When I get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom or whatever, I don't turn on any lights. Because, you know, I, I can get around fine. I get into the bathroom, and I really got freaked out. Yeah. Like, I got into the bathroom, and there was no lights on. And I was washing my hands, and it hit me that, I, oh, that movie got under my skin.
0: I, when it first came out, like I said, when I first heard about it, I heard it was just the scariest movie ever. It's not that but it's definitely one of the most disturbing horror movies and like it uh, it stands up because there's just so much kind of to think about whether you think about it consciously or not i probably hadn't seen this movie in 20 years until i watched it on netflix a couple of years ago and i still remember most of it it's you know i don't remember anything about say leprechaun <laughs> um, and that's no slight against leprechaun but But I I am happy when I when I was kind of reading about it last night to see that, you know, there's still articles being written about it as of a couple years ago, like, you know, much less now. Um, But, you know, a couple years ago, like this is a relevant movie for these times. And this Mm is maybe after one of the 15 or so other people were killed by the cops. Mm -hmm. But we didn't really talk about the last scene when she comes back.
1: (gasps) Okay. yes. So what do we think about that? I mean, I just love it just because it's cool. Super gory. Is that your dishwasher?
0: That's the um, I'm making ice. <laughs> I knew I had company, <laughs> so I turned on the ice maker, as you do.
1: <laughs> well, it so, sounds like a ghost. So Trevor goes into his bathroom, and does he just happen to say Helen, 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 or does he think that maybe there's a chance?
0: My read on it is just he kind of just happens to do that out of his grief, you know. He kind just
1: of. howls her name while his young girlfriend is wearing no bra, walking around, very upset. Just nothing in the fridge but Budweiser's. Yeah,
0: he seems to be genuinely grieving her, though, because he has that moment where he has that flashback of her happily making dinner yeah.
1: for
0: him. Yeah. <laughs> that's not his like sum total of his, you know... <laughs> Happy memory of hers, her making dinner for him. I
1: know. Uh, While his new girlfriends are making dinner for him, too. Right.
0: But he doesn't want to leave the bathroom. He's, he's actively avoiding her.
1: But, I mean, also, there's a lot to go through. But also, this girl that he's dating is probably, like, what, 22? Yeah. I understand why she is immature about it. But he's upset. His wife is dead. She possibly murdered people in his apartment. I mean, he's going through a lot. She gets upset. But then... Helen appears very, like we're saying, very much like Pet Cemetery at the end when the yeah. wife comes back. even think Hello, darling. I wish you would have said that. Yeah. And then she slices him from groin to gullet. And she's like, I moved on. Have you seen my new boyfriend?
0: Right. So he then, is
1: powerful and he's full of bees.
0: Yeah. So I guess she'll become an urban- Why has history. there not
1: been a movie called Helen?
0: I don't know. That'd be Candyman Erasure,
1: though. <laughs> oh, shit.
0: At the same time, you know, that, that scene does seem remove- from the con, from the kind of the rest of the movie, a little bit. Like I kind of wonder if, like, the studio thought we need one last scare. Yeah,
1: I think so. That definitely seems like a studio type ending.
0: Yeah, because it. I think it'd be cooler if it was her and Candyman, you know, that did it. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, uh, I just feel like it's It's suddenly. It's like a slightly. It's like more like that first scene where you have the college kids talking about the. Right. This urban legend is is very. I don't know. Or maybe that's the point of it. Maybe the point of it is like you know.
1: Maybe also the point that the reason they set Trevor up as being like a cheater husband. Oh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't really deserve to be sliced from groin to gullet, but.
0: No, probably not. Uh,
1: it's not
0: that bad. He just has a wandering eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is a great scene. But And I love how it just kind of goes into the credits with you see the, you know, there's a new mural of her. Right. Like, and then with no explanation, you're not even sure where it is. I guess it's in Candyman's layer, maybe. <laughs> well,
1: credits I guess Candyman scene. painted it. Yeah. For their anniversary.
0: I kinda of thought all those murals though were just people like like Candyman stands or something like, right. you know, like fans of his that were just doing that. But one of the cool things about this movie is there are just so many sort of open to interpretation kind of thing like the Razor Blade Candy and mm-hmm. so many unanswered questions. What exactly is his backstory? Why is it called Candyman, really? I mean, I think they probably do this stuff in the sequels. But for this movie, for just a horror movie that comes out in the early nineties, it was kind of unusual. I mean, you know you have the shiny movies like that they did that on a very high level but most of your run the mill slasher movies which this was kind of marketed as i think
1: yeah and i mean it had elements of that but it was definitely much different than anything else that had yeah. come out so that's got that going for it
0: so five stars
1: <laughs> five bees
0: <laughs> five bees that doesn't sound like a lot of bees really everything
1: <laughs> that's enough
0: yes Um, Well, thank you for listening to our, our Candyman episode.
1: If we miss anything or if there's anything that you want to add or teach us about, we would love to hear from you guys. Bye.
0: Good night.